Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fadel. In this episode, I have the honor to talk with Liz Dyer. She is the founder of Mama Bears. It's an organization for mothers of LGBTQ kids. They do so many amazing things, which Liz will get into. The center of what she does and what she believes is all about empowerment and love that everybody deserves to be loved for exactly who they are not who they think they should be or who we think they should be but loved for exactly who they are and it is an amazing interview it goes a little bit long because we're having a good time talking also I want to do a little Something that you should be aware of is this is the first time that I was able to do a recording with someone else on their phone in a completely different place. So Liz is in Texas and I'm in Portland and we were able to do the recording through the Anchor app and it worked amazing. She's clear as a bell. Now, I sound a little bit tunnelly at different times, but if you turn it up, you can hear me pretty well. You can hear me. You all know I have a loud voice. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed speaking with Liz. If there's one thing I took away from this, she is a woman that embodies love and has let that love lead her to things that I don't even think she could imagine that she would do. So it's a really good listen. I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Hello. Oh my gosh, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's like, ooh, you feel so confident now. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Technology is always like, um, you know, up in the air. What's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, I had um, tried this. Uh, probably three months ago with my son in LA and we, it never, it never worked. It was a fly in there. Oh no. In their system. And so I tried, I, I tested it a couple times this morning and it worked. So, woo. Well, good. <laughs> so you usually do these, um, podcasts live. Uh, what? you're usually doing them with someone in person instead of uh, like through a phone line like this. Yeah, I've had so far, I've been really lucky that um, like when I interviewed Kathy, I did it in Colorado because I was there. So that's been a nice, that's been a nice thing. Um, But yeah, I've been trying to, to make sure that this worked and I'm very happy that it does. Good. So I'm really glad that you're here. Thank you. <laughs> or you're actually not here, but we're together. <laughs> as crazy as it is, we are together. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just, I want to start out by just saying thank you for being here. And I'm really excited to talk to you. Well, it's and, an honor and I, I really appreciate the invitation. And I did want to... I'll do, 
I'll do a little pre thing, you know, where I talk about a little bit about, you know, who I'm with, but um, I wanted to know, like, I wanted to know how you would describe yourself and the journey that you're on at the moment. Okay. Um, well, uh, I am a woman who uh, is very passionate about trying to make the world a kinder, safer, more loving place. Thank God. <laughs> for really everyone so that people can be free to live authentically and really live wholeheartedly into the people they were created to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of discovered this passion um, after my son came out as gay. Mm-hmm. Um, that sent me on a journey as a woman of faith to figure out what I believed about this issue. Uh, I knew what I had been taught and I knew my son. Yeah. And so things didn't fit together. Yeah. So I had to figure out, okay, what do I believe and why do I believe it? And um, in that journey, um, I discovered that one thing I really was passionate about was really wanting to change the world to be a kinder, safer, more loving place for all of us to live authentically and wholeheartedly into who we were created to be. And in 2014, I kind of had this dream that I could start a Facebook group for moms of LGBT kids, moms like me. Yeah. And that together we could change the world. Because I really felt like one group of people who would really get on this bandwagon with me and stay there would be mothers of LGBT kids. Because, you know, whatever our kids have going on, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, for these moms that I'm working with, it's that we have LGBT kids. But there are many issues that that mothers fight for when it comes to their kids. Yep. And um, so today, I think my dream is coming true. Uh, I started that Facebook group with less than 200 moms. And today we have more than 7,700 moms in the group, getting close to 8,000. That is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about it. And, you know, now that one group has turned into a bunch of groups and a bunch of special projects and a whole uh, array of resources and websites. And things are really happening and I'm excited about it. Yeah. And I'm just an ordinary person. I mean, I don't have any special training. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't, uh, I don't have a, you know, like a social justice or community organization degree. I just put my passion out there and connect it with other people that would be passionate too. And that's how it happened. Well, and that's, I mean, that is, I I wanted to talk to you, you know, for a number of reasons. One is because we have a mutual friend who we both love, Kathy Escobar. I love Kathy Escobar so much. She has been so meaningful and helpful to me in my own journey, my own faith journey, because at one point 
I didn't even know if I could hang on to my Christian faith. And Kathy was just somebody who helped me through that whole process. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the other reason I wanted to talk to you is, you know, I think the work that you're doing is important. Absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing that just kind of always blows my mind is, um, you know, sometimes it is, it's the simple thing, which is loving people. Mm. That is the most transformational, but for some reason, the hardest for, I wouldn't say just the church, but the church really has a hard time with it. Well, and I think we do kind of notice where the church fails in this because that is the central message yes. of the church. <laughs> so, you know, when it doesn't come to fruition, um, it, it's disturbing. It, it's, it's upsetting. And, and that's not to say that we expect perfection. No, no. But, you know, we do have some pretty high expectations, because that is yeah. the central message of those who are, you know, um, supposed to be the leaders when it comes to helping us know how to be good followers of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, you know, I, I grew up in the church and the message was damaging to me. There's so many messages that were positive and mm-hmm. I still identify as a Jesus lover and um, yes, I still identify as a Jesus lover and have a spiritual practice that reflects some Christian traditions, but the damage of compartmentalizing love has left a mark on me. Yes. And and I have spent my life working with people for whatever reason that mark is left, not just the LGBTQ community, which we had quite a few, you know, pe- non-binary people within our community. And, um, but I think just in general, when you, when you realize that the message is unconditional love from God, mm-hmm. but everything else is conditional. Right. And it doesn't, and it doesn't match up. (laughs) It doesn't. And it causes, um, and not just LGBT people, it causes so many of us to have to check ourselves at the door. Yeah. Um, rather. And and so we lose all this, um, richness and value that's caught up in being authentic and real in our true selves. Um, really there's very little, I think spiritual growth and transformation that can take place within our lives if uh, we can't be authentic. Oh, for sure. For sure. And and I think that's one of the biggest failings um, that I see in faith communities. And then the other thing is this, um, this need for control. Um, You know, I've talked to some pastors um, and just urged them, to take a little different approach. Okay, you believe this, but would you be willing to offer uh, resources and ideas from people that maybe don't agree with you, Mm -hmm. that believe something different to those that you're teaching and 
help people learn how to discern for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that scares a lot of pastors. Yeah, I was going to say, how was that received? <laughs> Not very well. <laughs> well. I think it's so interesting. It's like, you know, I listened to that podcast that you were on. And one of the things that struck me, um, you were talking about the church that you had been at. And that when you left that church, you know, you moved to Texas, but mm-hmm you also realized that it wasn't a safe place to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And I never understood that. Maybe I never understood it because why the church couldn't embrace that. And maybe I I didn't understand it because I had been given that opportunity, you know, in my young twenties and working with, you know, anarchists and different people that really do not care about the rules um, and questions are so important, but the church is so fearful or religious communities can tend to be so fearful of the questions, but why are we afraid of the questions? Because we don't have to have the answer. I, I just answered my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> We're afraid of it because we think we have to have the answer. Exactly. And it comes back to some kind of, um, this idea that if, if we have control of things, we can control how things go. Um, You know, I mean, in some ways I miss the certainty that I once (laughs) had in that, you know, in that circle, in, in that community. Um, Because I really did believe if I did a, B and C, then, um, you know, E, F and G would happen. Yep. Yep. And, you know, that was what was so interesting when my son came out as gay is it totally blew that whole idea up. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, to be honest with you, I should have known my son was gay. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, you know, kind of obvious. I know we're not supposed to stereotype people, but still there are. (laughs) intuitions and things that you you know can pick up on especially if you're a parent yeah um but when that would come up in my mind I would think well no he can't be gay because we're a good Christian family um Mm -hmm. you know we're raising our kids right we go to church we love the Lord we're following God's ways yeah we're doing good works I mean all our ducks were in a row one of our kids could not be gay yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, that sounds ludicrous to me now. Yeah. But that's exactly how, how we thought and, and about a lot of things. Oh, for sure. Me too. So I think some of those, uh, that fear and that pushback about questions and doubts, you know, that upsets their apple cart. Um, yep that means you got to start thinking about a whole lot of things. Yeah. Not just, not just the queer community. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, and that's the thing too, like what you're saying about certainty is yes, there is comfort in the certain for sure. Until you've got some kind of, or some kind of mm-hmm. life altering experience that doesn't equal you know, EFG. And then what do you do? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and, uh, and the sad thing is a lot of people, or I, maybe I, maybe it's not sad because I think people are on the journey that they need to be on. But, you know, I was going to say it's sad that people have to lose their faith. Um, but I think the thing that is more sad is people lose their community mm-hmm. and because they are not allowed to deconstruct their faith. Exactly. And if they could just do it within community, then they wouldn't have to necessarily decide to believe, you know, in something or not believe in something. It could be more nebulous. And what's so interesting, Angie, is really what you start to realize is this deconstruction is really a normal part of everyone's faith journey if we keep growing and maturing and learning and progressing. Um, But see, churches are not set up to get help us get past a certain point. Well, there's no money to be made in giving people the option to leave church. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's not real lucrative. But, I mean, like I said, um, that was probably the most comforting and encouraging thing that I realized. And I realized it when I met people like Kathy Escobar that, oh my gosh, this is not abnormal. This is a normal part of a honest, um, growing uh, faith journey. Yeah. This is what's supposed to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I'm supposed to start asking hard questions. I'm supposed to start trying to figure out what I believe and why I believe it. I'm supposed to get to the point where I don't have to have all the answers and I can live with the mystery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And And that's the thing that's interesting about it too is get like shifting from being more comfortable, less comfortable with certainty and more comfortable with mystery or paradox. Yes. Is life yes, it is. Cause I often say to clients, like when you meet with me, cause I'm a spiritual director. So when you meet with me, this is what I believe right now. Right. I have no idea what I'm going to believe in six months to a year because I'm constantly growing and changing and that's the way it should be yes some of these things i will believe but i may believe them in a in a slightly different way or it might be expanded or maybe i've thrown something out and you know even sometimes when i'm believing something i'm believing it in a way that's like uh, i could be wrong about this (laughs) you know because a lot of what we believe is just (laughs) speculation anyway Yes. Yes. So let me ask you, so your son came out, you went through your own process of figuring out what you believed. Where in the timeline, how long from when, when that happened, did you start your Facebook group? Well, uh, my son came out in... I think it was the fall of 2006 and 
I didn't start, I think I started blogging about 2010. Yeah. And is that the serendipity? Do uh, my first blog was called, uh, and it's still out there, uh, Grace Rules. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started, so in that period, that 2007 to 2010, that was a period where I was really trying to kind of figure out a lot of stuff I believed and why I believed it. And I was connecting with, uh, there, there was really basically no resources for moms of LGBTQ kids who were trying to figure things out, but there was a progressive Christian movement going on that was asking a lot of these kind of questions. And so I connected with that community and um, at that time, blogging was pretty popular. So I, at some point, uh, people were sending, after I kind of got my feet on the ground and figured yeah. out what I believed about, um, you know, same-sex marriage and I really transgender issues weren't even on the, my radar at the time, but about, you yeah. know, LGBT stuff and mostly same-sex marriage. Um, after I figured that out, people started sending parents to me whose kids were coming out to them. So in 2010, I decided to start blogging a little bit. So I would have, I don't know, things that were easy to share and you know, that kind of thing. I could maybe help more people. And, but it was 2014 before I started um, my Facebook group and, you know, this um, wanting to really connect with moms of LGBT kids. I spent a lot of years kind of at the feet of a lot of people learning. So not only did I connect with all these progressive Christians and I was trying to learn from them, but I also connected kind of a stroke of luck. I connected with a community that was mostly made up of older LGBT people, many who had been victims of conversion therapy, a lot of people who at one time were leading in organizations like Exodus and had walked away from that because they realized the truth. So, I mean, I really had this wonderful, rich community of people that I was connecting with and learning from. And it really helped me along my faith journey, but it also helped me learn what it meant to be a good ally, a good advocate, a good friend of LGBT people. Yeah. 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 That's great. So, you know, I was about seven years into this journey when I started um, this thing for moms of LGBT kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, I just, I had become very passionate about really wanting to make some changes in the world, um, the way people thought about this issue. Um, I felt like there was a lot of misinformation out there and not a lot of good resources, but I knew I couldn't do it by myself. So I just kind of had this dream that I think moms can get on this wagon with me (laughs) and we can go somewhere and do something. Yeah. Yeah. So my three things that I really wanted to attack and and focus on was support, education, and empowerment. Mm. So tell me, can you tell me a little bit about each one of those, like how that, how that plays out in a, is it all connected to the Facebook group? 
Or- yeah, I mean, as uh, Facebook kind of became, um, you know, the vehicle um, in the beginning, and it has, you know, as far as um, a way to connect um, us together and get us on the same page and, um, you know, getting the information out and helping us organize. It's, it's just been really helpful. And we, what we do is all through a private group, um, uh, which is very nice because, um, you know, a lot of people, we still connect with a lot of people who want to maintain confidentiality for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, the support is so important because um, a lot of, even today, I mean, even in 2019, a lot of people, a lot of parents, a lot of families who have LGBT kids and are Christian often feel very alone and isolated. So they really want to connect with other people who um, you know, are supporting and loving and affirming and celebrating their LGBT kids. And even moms that don't know for sure what they believe yet, they want to connect with people that they really feel are on a journey to, um, you know, give their kids, uh, help them, you know, become the best people that they can be rather than, um, you know, be so caught up in condemnation and judgment. Yeah, that's the part. I I think that's really beautiful that people can be transforming within the, yes, their beliefs, their beliefs can be trans transforming. They don't have to believe yet. They just have to be open. That's right. Um, We have three things that we uh, ask members when they join to either agree with, or if they don't agree with it, then just to um, not bring it up in the group in a disagreeing kind of way. And if they need help with these three things, we can help them outside of the group privately. But the first thing is that, um, you know, people aren't actually choosing their sexual orientation or their gender identity. That is something that's innate. Uh, Now, maybe people have to go on a journey to discover the truth about themselves. Um, so to some people, it yeah. might seem like something changed, but really they're just discovering who they always were at their core. Yep. And then number two, that we can't change who someone is at their core. Uh, we can change yes. behavior. Yeah. Um, we can oppress, you know, the real person that someone is, but we can't yep. change who they are at their core. And then the third thing is that any version of conversion therapy is damaging. And that's something as um, nice as praying for someone to change, as putting someone in um, you know, a room and shocking them with electricity. So the, any extreme yeah. <laughs> and anything in between yeah. is, uh, you know, conversion therapy and it's um, damaging because all of those things are rooted in shame and yeah, shame absolutely. always destroys. It is never life giving. Yep. Yeah, that's good. So those are the three things we ask members to either agree with, or if they don't agree with them wholeheartedly, 
you know, don't talk about them in the group in a disagreeing way and we can help you outside the group because the philosophy is that um, we don't want to look at our kids and say they're broken because of their sexual orientation or their gender identity. Um, um, and yeah. so this kind of gives us a starting place. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, that's kind of the support, you know, section is mm-hmm. that, you know, we want to yeah. help you. We want to, my desire is that every parent would wholeheartedly affirm and celebrate their LGBTQ kid. Yes. Um, yes. Enthusiastically, I our kids need more than our acceptance. They need our yes. celebration. Um, yeah. Listen, they've got a lot of uh, obstacles to face out there in the world, and we've got to compensate for some of that. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's. Oh, I like that a lot. So you know, we want to support parents and help them get to that place, and just being among other. Uh, moms who are there often just really uh, fast tracks the whole journey because it's like when moms see other moms who are already there, it kind of gives them the freedom, the understanding, Mm -hmm. and even the inspiration. I mean, sometimes moms just say, I want to be like her, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, what is that, you know, that thing, if it's hard to envision, it's hard to see ourselves somewhere if we don't see anybody that's like exactly. us already. There. Exactly. And then, that's you know, hilarious. through this process, we offer a lot of resources. And so now, all these years later, I have a wonderful set of resources that's available on the Serendipity Doodah blog, uh, which is another blog that, you know, kind of goes along with the group, but it's public. And um, yeah. so, it, you know, on there, we've got articles and books and studies and inclusive faith communities and websites that um, for sex ed that are inclusive of LGBT kids and, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And most of these resources are things that moms of LGBT kids have recommended. That's yeah, because everybody's just sharing what. They're yes. Doing. That's I love. And that. then the empowerment is, oh, mom, it's so exciting to me. Um, you know, I led <laughs> women's ministry before all this started, and I was always passionate about empowering women. Um, yeah. And really, the best way to empower women is is to give them the freedom to and the courage to uh, use their own voice and follow their own passions. And yeah what's so exciting about the empowerment in the group is really, I don't have to do much. Everybody does it. Anytime anyone, you know, stands up for their kid or, or speaks at a political rally or writes a blog post or starts a peep flag chapter, whatever these moms are doing and they're doing amazing things all the time. Everybody in the group is like, so, um, you know, they praise them, they encourage them, they cheer them on. It's, it's so exciting. And that kind of camaraderie and support and encouragement just makes people want to keep doing more and more. Yeah. I mean, you're not alone. And I think where that shame resides is in the idea that you're alone and there's something wrong with you. Yes. 
But if you get around other people that are encouraging you and you throw out an idea and somebody's like, you know, do it. Yeah. We're here. We're behind you. We've got you. I mean, that's everybody. Needs everybody that. needs that. And, you know, then, you know, when we do those things too, it means so much to our kids and we see it start to change them. And, um, you know, we see a difference in them and, and that is motivating. So it's really exciting. It's really very exciting. And I am so excited about what these moms are doing. I mean, I've just kind of followed the um, path that these moms are treading. Um, (laughs) I mean, there's so many things we do now that um, I just started because I saw that enough moms were passionate about wanting to do it. I mean, you know, we make blankets and give them to LGBTQ kids and uh, young adults and even adults, any LGBTQ person who needs that kind of support and encouragement. Um, You know, we send cards, we get on the phone and talk with people, we go to events. um, Mm -hmm. And all of these things are, you know, stuff that the moms just started wanting to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, anytime that I'm going to rephrase that, it's almost like I see kind of, you know, as you're talking, I see this image of, you know, all of these women and all of these little sparks going Mm. off and the sparks create this wildfire of change. Yeah. And it spreads. Oh, yeah. That's a good analogy. And, and, you know, and it's spreading something that right now I think our world is in desperate need of. And, you know, it's love Mm -hmm. and support and encouragement because it feels like it feels very dark out there. And for anybody that is more exposed you know, trans, trans kids, Mm -hmm. non-binary kids, you know, anybody that is a target, you know, it feels even darker. Like my, my, my husband's brother, my husband's brother died um, a while ago from cancer. It was his younger brother and he has two Mm -hmm. kids and both of those, both of those kids, well, one's an adult well they're both kind of adults you know one is 22 they've both transitioned Mm -hmm. and cam is the youngest cam is i think cam turned 19 and i just found out through instagram that they were on some kind of field trip and ended up kind of alone Mm. and Uh, a guy came up to them and started harassing them because of their non-binary presentation, as far as I understand it. And they were very scared Mm. and they've been targeted on our max line, which is our, you know, public transportation by, by the guys collecting, you know, tickets and just, there's nowhere they, I feel like, they start to feel like there's nowhere that's safe. And so then they have to have to stay indoors, but they don't want to stay indoors. They should be able to live a full life. Exactly. Exactly. And, 
you know, that is one of the most maybe motivating uh, things that um, moms of LGBTQ kids have going to, uh, you know, help them be so passionate about doing this work is that, um, you know, we want our kids to just be able to live without having these extra threats and risk to face. Um, I mean, we know that everybody has uh, some things that, you know, are going to be hard in life, but um, our LGBT um, kids, they're facing some extra things and, and it scares us for them. Um, It worries us. And, and we really do believe though, that we can uh, change a lot of things. Um, We believe that through um, educating others, we can change a lot of things. We believe that through us being out as parents who do wholeheartedly affirm and celebrate our kids, that that will change a lot of things. Uh, sharing our stories. Um, we believe that stories change people's hearts and minds. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we really believe that um, if we could rid the world of anti-LGBT theology, that we would get rid of a lot of these problems. Um, we believe yeah. that so much of the discrimination and oppression that LGBT people face on a daily basis is rooted in, um, you know, anti-LGBT theology, non-affirming theology. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I think that that brings me to a question that I had for you. Um, you know, you had a bit, you had a vision. Mm-hmm. You started the vision, you know, and the vision is huge as a vision should be, but like when you start, you know, you just start a Facebook group. You have no idea what it's going to become. You're holding space for a lot of joy, but also I'm guessing a lot of Mm -hmm. grief. How do you personally, I guess my, it's kind of a two-parter. How do you hold space for the moms and the stories that you hear and how do you take care of yourself hearing so many hard stories? Well, um, one of the principles that I really wanted to put into place when I started this Facebook group is I wanted to create a community where real people were making real connections And that included myself. Um, And I think real connection, I think, you know, authentic, true connection is what really gives us the fortitude and the strength and the coping capabilities to um, weather a lot. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, relationships, uh, friendships, understanding, uh, support, um, camaraderie. I mean, real community, it just holds you up and it keeps you going. And and really, that's where I find my source of strength. Um, I do hear a lot of, you know, tough things and, and we do there is a lot of grief and fear and, and sadness and um, 
you know, trouble that we talk about in the group. Um, yeah. But I don't have to handle it all myself. See, I've got like all these thousands of other moms who are also yeah. there alongside me giving support, encouraging, offering insight and wisdom. So, you know, I don't have to do it all. And that's what community is so great for is it's a place where we can all give and take. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really proud that, I mean, the community is not perfect. You know, no, no community is, I mean, community (laughs) is messy in itself. Right. Yeah. But it is, really we still focus on that principle real connections real people making real connections and not just even within our community I really push that in any of the advocacy work that we do also you know sometimes moms will say to me well when I send a card should I put my real name and my address on it it's like well that's your decision there's always a risk when you're going to connect with a stranger but that's what I do Because Mm -hmm. if I'm going to reach out and try to connect with someone, I'm going to do it in a real authentic way. And so I'm trying to lead by that example. And I'm trying to, if people feel like they can, encourage them to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think that gives us the ability to, to keep, you know, that makes what we're doing sustainable. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, too, it's like in this day and age with, you know, so much happening online mm. where you don't, you know, you're you're having to use, for those of us that want to be vulnerable, you're having to use an element of blind trust. Yes. And so when you counter that with authenticity and letting people show up as their full selves and being honest about who you are and, you know, you know, whether that's doing an actual phone call with your phone number and your address. I mean, I think that that's in a way, it's almost like what was normal for those of us that grew up before this era, you know, where all we had was a telephone, Mm -hmm. you know, that was, that was the normal. So it wasn't necessarily super authentic it just was but that way has kind of become the almost like revolutionary to lead with that yes and you know one thing that's really helped too is um as we grew we started having these regional groups and oh so people can get to know each other exactly So we have, I don't know, maybe more than 50 now, I think. And they're scattered all across the country. And there's even one or two in Canada and some in Australia. Um, And so these regional groups, we, they have a little Facebook group online. That's just so they can organize and, you know, Mm -hmm. plan easier. And then people get together in person. And, you know, sometimes you plan something and one or two people show up. Sometimes you plan something and 20 people show up. But <laughs> nothing compares to when we get together in person. I just went um, uh, last weekend. I was at one of the mom's house here in the area where I live, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. 
and we had a uh, blanket making party. Uh, I think we we oh. made seven blankets and we had lunch together. And um, then those blankets will get sent out to um, LGBT people because that's our uh, Mama Bear blanket project that we have. And um, so. and you know we we talked about our kids and we talked about our churches and politics and you know all kinds of things and uh, we made blankets and we ate lunch and we just had a great time together and that kind of you know getting together like that I don't know it's really energizing and refreshing you just come away feeling like I don't know a new person almost yeah yeah, it's really beautiful to see how something that you started, you know, what is that? Tiny mustard yeah. seed, you know, has turned into this enormous thing, but then also comes back to these tiny yeah. face-to-face groups. Exactly. And the great thing about these regional groups is I'm glad to help people get those started, but they're run independently. They're not something I'm organizing or managing. See, I manage the big group and then I've got about five specialized subgroups, Um, you know, a group for moms who want to do advocacy work. And that's called the mama bears to the rescue. Then we have a group that is for moms of trans kids. Now all these Mm -hmm. people in these subgroups are in the big group too, but sometimes you just need these specialized uh, online groups. And then we have a group for moms who have LGBT kids who are also, um, on the autism spectrum. Oh, that's yeah. And then we have a group that for moms of LGBT kids who want to dive deeper into their faith. Um, Mm. so we've got these specialized subgroups and then we've got like four or five special projects. We've got the mama bear story project where moms can share, um, a little essay, um, something about being a mom of an LGBT kid and they use their real Mm. name and a picture. And then, and we put those online and then we have the mama bear blanket project. We have a made with love project where moms make these little friendship bracelets with heart patterns in them and mail them off to LGBT people. And um, then we partner with free mom hugs, which is a wonderful organization that a mom in our group started. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) And um, we do a lot of things with them, go to pride and just all kinds of special events. Like one of the moms that works with that organization recently, she got in touch with me because they were going to orientations at colleges in August and September and just setting up a table. And, um, you know, we had a forum there where they could, um, um, find out information about the mama bears to the rescue if they needed, um, you know, maybe their family wasn't supportive or they weren't out, but they needed some support and, you know, just offering that kind of yeah, connection. Such a good idea. Yeah. It, it's I really wonderful. Um, so we have all those things, but these regional groups, what's so great about them. So they're connected, but they're independent. They're just yeah. doing their own thing. And it's really cool I that like it's just that. kind of grown organically that way. Yeah. Well, it kind of means that, um, you know, 
sometimes visions vision yeah visions are supposed to be huge but sometimes for a person that's kind of carrying the vision it can be a little overwhelming Mm -hmm. it sounds like yes it's still bigger than you are but there's other people that are carrying it as well so it's yes it doesn't have a there's no expiration date on it even if somehow all of the um you know all of the attacks and the beliefs around LGBTQ people, are, you know, if it was all a race tomorrow, you'd still have things that you could be doing. Yes, exactly. And, you know, someday I'm not going to be doing this. I don't know when that will be, but yeah. it can go on because yeah, yeah, it, does, it yeah. is bigger than just the part that you know I'm leading and organizing (laughs) yeah yeah which is you know I think I wouldn't say every vision is like this but I think visions that are connected to empowering people and I don't know the right way to say this but they kind of have to be bigger than the person with the vision they have to encompass more people you know, it can't be, it can't be about you and your ego. Exactly. Exactly. It has to be about you spreading that out so that other people also, if you hadn't have done that, it, it kind of is a reflection of you, Liz, I think, to be able to hold something in a way that is not threatened by other people being inspired and wanting to run with something you are you're not holding on to it so tight that other people can't take it on well and I'm glad you said that because I think you know I really got lucky in the beginning and um I was already passionate about empowerment and and the weird thing is is I got passionate about empowerment from leading women's ministry in this conservative Christian community. Um, You might not think that would be an environment where that would, you know, kind of nurture that kind of passion, but I met some pretty amazing women along the way in that kind of conservative community, Um, which, you know, I mean, even people like Kathy Escobar came out of that. So, you know, there's certainly some amazing, yes. And you did too. (laughs) So, um, they kind of, um, you know, those kind of, those women, those women inspired me to want to empower other women because they empowered me, Yeah, yeah. you know? And so I wanted to, you know, pass that on. And so I was kind of lucky that when I started this movement, this group, um, I was already passionate about that. And, and I knew, I knew the benefits and the blessings of it. Um, yeah. I knew that it would only continue to uh, feed what I cared about and what I was passionate about. And at the same time, it would help other people um, not only join what I'm passionate about, but maybe they're passionate about something else and it would free them up to do that thing. Yeah. And, you know, the, the cool thing about movements is, um, I don't know. It ends up connecting to a lot of other um, 
I don't know what a good word, but um, issues or um, yeah, it's, it's themes because you know one thing that a lot of moms in my group are now passionate about is just helping anybody who's marginalized or oppressed. It, they, it doesn't have to be LGBTQ people. Yeah. yeah. It's like intersectional feminism. Yes. You know, if, if everybody is not free, no one is free. Like yes. I have to work towards, you know, everybody's freedom. Who, who is the least free person right now? Maybe that, you know, maybe that's a black trans woman. Exactly. Getting the most threats on their life and the most restrictions, then I need to work for that person and that community to be free. Or what good is my feminism? What good is, you know, what good is what I'm trying to do if it doesn't include all voices? Exactly. And so it's just really um, exciting you know, to see all these things growing, uh, out of it. And, and, you know, it's exciting to me, but there's so much happening that really, I just can't take any credit for, but I still get to kind of, you know, bask in a little bit of (laughs) of the glory and excitement just because I have a little bit of a connection. I mean, you know, we've got moms in my group that are, writing books, making films, doing art, preaching, speaking. Um, I mean, it's amazing. It's sort Um, of like you've been a conduit to let, I'll say it, you don't have to say it. (laughs) You're a conduit for other voices to be heard. Yes, your own voice, but as a conduit, you get to let other people also shine and other people's vision visions sometimes may eclipse your own but it doesn't matter because it's all for you know the whole exactly of that community and and then others are becoming conduits also yes yeah because you've modeled that liz i'm gonna give you credit (laughs) (laughs) you've modeled that you can You've seen that within a church structure or within any kind of structure, if the structure, if the head of the structure or the creator of that structure is corrupt or led by their ego Mm. or whatever, you will not produce what is being produced out of the movement that you're a part of and you've helped nurture. You wouldn't see it. No, I think, you know, it does stifle, um, it does stifle the progress and the growth if, um, you know, I mean, that's not, look, we all like to receive some recognition um, for the work we do. (laughs) And, you know, I'm certainly not one of those people that, um, you know, I come from a a faith tradition that would kind of want to downplay anyone being proud of what they do or I'm not, I'm not of that cloth. Um, It's okay. It's okay for us to be proud of the work we do. It's okay for us to get some recognition. I think where we want to be careful is um, our egos can keep us from achieving 
some great things that we can achieve if, if we don't keep them in check. And, and you know, um, we don't need to be afraid of letting other people be in the limelight, of um, letting other people achieve. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one thing I just love about the Mama Bear community is I love the way the spirit is uh, very generous in supporting and encouraging others and cheering people on um, in giving recognition and being proud of the accomplishments of others. Mm. Um, it, yeah, it really is. Point. It really does permeate the community. And, um, you know, we, I mean, I'm sure people could point out where I made a mistake, but I really do try to give recognition to people when I know that they have, you know, achieved something, made some effort, done something a little bit out of their comfort zone, um, yeah. you know, made a difference in the life of even one other person. I, I really yeah. want to recognize people for those things because I think they make a difference. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There's a and, tipping point. And together, when we're all doing all these things together, boy, that can really make a difference. Yeah. 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 That's, that is for sure. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, if everybody just continue to do one kind thing, you know, as they, you know, one step at a time, one kind thing, one nice gesture, whatever that is, it, it ends up overflowing. It ends up, you know, that, you know, that smile that maybe, you know, maybe you're having a hard day and somebody looks you in the eyes and that's all you needed. Exactly. Cause we have no idea what, you know, what the things that we do produce out in the world. Well, you know, they say that, um, well, you know, a lot of LGBT people um, carry enough shame around and um, that it produces self-loathing and um, Mm. hopelessness uh, in their lives. And um, because of that, the suicide rate is, is high for LGBT, especially LGBT youth who, um, you know, just maybe don't have the kind of personal uh, life experience to help them, you know, cope with some of these overwhelming um, feelings and and anxieties. And so, but they say if an LGBT young person has just one, just one supportive adult in their life, that it can keep them from, you know, being close to that edge, falling off that yeah. cliff. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, that's really what it's about. Um, that's really what life is about is us helping each other, um, supporting one another, being there for each other when we're going through tough times. And uh, mm-hmm. that's what I love about the mama bear community. We're there for our families. We're there for each other. And we're there for people outside of our community. It's really beautiful. Do you have a way that you, I mean, I don't know what, if you're in a church or it doesn't matter to me if you are, do you have a spiritual practice? And when I say that to people that I'm talking to, it it doesn't necessarily mean God practice. It could mean, you know, you like to walk in the woods and be connected to nature. Do you have something that you do? to kind of 
connect to yourself or can and or connect to the spirit and and or do you have a self-care thing that you do to kind of keep you going and up (laughs) well i will start off okay i don't go to a church anymore but i really do miss that um you know the great thing about going to church is um it kind of just built in some spiritual practices. So you didn't have to be so intentional all the time, you know? So I think, you know, not going to a church means that there are times that I'm not as intentional as I want to be, because I do want to be healthy, spiritual, spiritually. I, you know, I, I do want to have a deep spiritual life. I, I value that part of my life. I think it's meaningful and significant. Um, and so sometimes I do, you know, I, I, I do neglect that part of my life. But um, yeah. when I'm on track, um, I guess some things that I do is um, I, am a, I, I am a person who's pretty serious about praying. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't, I can't say I understand prayer completely. not completely at all (laughs) yeah anybody saying that they do i think is trying to sell right um but i do the reason i pray a lot is because i'm sincere about trying to follow the way of jesus and and jesus prayed um Mm -hmm. on a regular basis and um you know very intentionally and passionately and specifically and uh so I try to pray in those ways. And, and that's a big part of my spiritual practice. Um, but a, a, a part of my spiritual practice, too, is helping other people. Um, yeah. You know, um, not in a way that burns me out and, and uses me up. Um, I think I can say that I wouldn't be able to um, maintain and sustain what I'm doing if I didn't do it in a balanced way. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that's a strength I have. I, and I think I learned that when I was leading women's ministry in in churches, but um, I think I'm good at, um, you know, letting myself be generous and transparent with other people and, and listening and building good relationships and then it becomes like a really kind of a two-way street. I mean, people are there for me too. And so that's yeah. a big part of my spiritual practice is, is building these relationships, helping others, and not being afraid to ask for help from others, allowing yeah, myself really to be good. helped. Um, yeah. My time with my family is, is, you know, very important to my spiritual life. And I make yeah. sure that I, you know, carve out time for that. Um just being quiet. And sometimes that's being alone in the car with no radio on, not talking on the phone or taking a walk or, you know, just being quiet in my home. That's a part of my spiritual practice. So these are some things I do talk. I love to talk to other people about their spiritual lives and share, you know, things I'm thinking of, um, and experiencing and questions and then also getting together um, for some really uh, important events uh, a few times a year. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to Wild Goose, but I love going to Wild Goose. Well, Liz, 
in fact, my husband and I did the first beer and hymns at Wild Goose. We brought it to Wild Goose. You did? Oh, yep. my gosh. And I was doing spiritual direction there for the first for the first couple of, well, we were there the first two years and then couldn't get there one year. We were at Wild Goose West. There was one on the West Coast one time. So, yeah, we were really involved. We were really involved in it. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, so something like that is really important. Just yeah. getting in a community like that um, and, you know, really immersing yourself for several days. Yeah, that's really yeah. good for my spiritual life. Um, yeah. So those kind of things. I honestly, sometimes I get so busy and I neglect things. And and when I do, I feel it, you know? Yeah. Well, you're a yeah. human, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I do miss, um, I don't know, I, you know, I miss being a part of a local church community. Now people would say, well, Liz, if you miss it, why don't you go do it? Well, I do kind of have my plate full right now. <laughs> I don't really have time to invest in that right now. Um, I think it's probably in my future at some point. Um, but right now I'm doing this thing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm in a very similar place. I, you know, we closed down our church five years ago and I'm just not ready. Mm -hmm. So, and I'll know when I'm ready and, and maybe, maybe I never will be, but I def for me, I, what I mostly, what I miss the most is community singing. Mm. And, um, you know, we had a, you know, we did the music at our church and we wrote the song. So it was, I'm not going to get that particular kind of community singing, but beer and hymns can come close to that. Just singing your guts Mm -hmm. out with other people is, for me is what probably what I miss yeah. most. But um there will be a time for that, I'm sure. <laughs> Someday. Well, I never say never. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're learning. That's right. I did I I do wanna thank you so much um for making this happen. It's it's really important to me and you have been very gracious with your time and I appreciate it. I wanted to ask you, do you have anything specific that you want to plug? Well, if anybody out there um, wants to know more about uh, the Mama Bears and everything that is happening with that, we have a pretty new website that I'm proud of, and you can find it at realmamabears.org. And Mama is spelled M-A-M-A. Okay. So um, that includes links to all of our groups and our projects. Uh, you can get to our resources there. We have a shop online where you can buy some merchandise. If you nice. And even if you want it to become, um, sometimes people want to financially support the work we're doing. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I'm not a nonprofit, um, but we are an organization. Um, it's not tax deductible, but some people do want to support us. So we do have a way for that to happen. And you can uh, find that on the website too, uh, for as little That's as $2 good. a month, people could become a, a monthly financial uh, donor to um, the group. So that's available. That's great. So everything is at that one website and. Okay. So they can find, they can find the Facebook, 
group there yes too. the facebook group um okay. all there's a like a whole list of groups uh and the main one is called serendipity doodah home of the mama bears okay and um so they there's a link there they can click on it it would take them to the front page of the group and they could put in a request to join if they're a mom of an lgbtq person yeah Okay. So, and, and, you know, there's links to our Facebook, we have public Facebook pages, Instagram, Twitter, you know, all those things that you have to have, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but the Instagram yeah. page is kind of fun. If anybody's on that, I really do recommend that they follow the mama bear Instagram page. It's all inspirational and, um, fun graphics and quotes and things. It's really a very positive Instagram page to follow. I think I follow that one. Does that one also have, um, maybe it's not that one. There's one that um, is the one where you, uh, you know, you guys at Pride hugging people. I think that's actually free mom hugs. Okay. And showing up at weddings. I follow that one. Now, you know, we do um, the stand-in moms at weddings. Um, Free mom hugs, we usually do them a few times a year, but they refer most of them to our group. And, but, and this year, I think we've done maybe eight weddings, which is kind of a lot because most people love the idea, but don't really want strangers to show up at their weddings. (laughs) (laughs) But we do get some people who really need us there. And um, the moms are so good when we get them hooked up with the um, brides or the grooms they build, you know, relationships, they help them plan and they go to the wedding and then the friendships carry on afterwards. Uh, me and a mom here locally in, in the Dallas area, we stood in last November um, for two grooms here in the area and we've just built a wonderful relationship with them. We meet them for brunch occasionally and it, it's just really a great thing to get um, to be a part of their lives in that way. I, I love that. I love that because I've, you know, I've had not, I've stood in for moms just, you know, as a pastor yeah. who was open and affirming and the need, there's a huge yeah. need. Just don't reject. Exactly. Them. Exactly. So I think it's beautiful. And again, thank you so much for being here. Oh, um, it's great talking I to really you. And you. maybe amazing. one day we'll actually be in the same place and can meet. I hope so. Oh, um, I, how far away are you from? I'll be at Evolving Faith next year. Are you going? I don't know. I had been, I had been talking to her about doing archery for it, but, um, then some, you know, all of the stuff happened and, um, so that's kind of on hold, but I will be in, um, I'm about, four and a half hours maybe from there okay well i'll be in the houston area in a place called tumball doing i was there last year and i'll be doing um my archery workshops there this year what month uh into april well let me know you never know if um you know if my schedule allows i could drive i mean it's within driving distance yeah, especially if you're a Texan. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, Angie, it's been great. Thank you again for the invitation. It's really yeah. an honor. Thank you so much, Liz. I'll talk All to right, you soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to what is the 14th episode of Soul Care with me. Um, by now, you probably have a good idea of who I am. I know this was a long one, and I do not apologize because there are so many empowering, loving nuggets that Liz threw down that it's definitely worth the listen. I do want to also take a moment to ask you to subscribe, like, and share. It is important to me to get this out into the hands of other people because I think it's good to hear these conversations happening. We learn from each other. I mean, that's pretty much the whole model of my spiritual direction practice is I'm not telling you how to live. We're learning from each other. And in that space, we grow. So if you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. Also, I do archery workshops. As you heard at the end of that, I'm doing an archery, archery workshop series in Tumball, Texas, which is outside of Houston, right outside of Houston, at the end of April this year. There will be the meditative archery, which is a Jungian journaling technique, and mindful archery, and possibly my labyrinth, my portable labyrinth workshop, and then also archery for the whole family. I also do one-on-one spiritual direction appointments for people in the Portland City area and surrounding area, and also anywhere in the world. Thank you to modern technology. So remember who you are, and be kind to yourself. Have a great day. Bye.